Hey church, Merry Christmas and Merry Christmas Eve. Thanks for tuning in in this way to spend part of your Christmas season with your church family here at Calvary Monterey. You know, for many, Christmas time is a season to celebrate family and friendships, traditions and prosperity, kindness and generosity. I know for me, my family is no exception. You know, we love the Christmas season. We love the movies. We love the music. We love the way early and cold nights keep us together and cozy. We love the trees. We love the lights. We love giving each other gifts. And for many, this is what Christmas is all about. But a select few of us refuse to let the goodness of elements like these mask the true greatness of Christmas. There are some who will not be so easily satisfied. For them, a hunger and even a pain drives them forward to something more beautiful and better. For them, a longing exists, a desire placed in them by the divine. For them, satisfaction cannot come by masking the darkness of our world with holiday cheer. For them, Christmas cheer can only come by partaking of God. Fortunately, Christmas provides people like that with this opportunity. Christ has come so we can know God. Now, we can know God only because God wanted us to know him, which is why he sent his only begotten son. Prophets had foretold for many centuries that a savior would arise to rescue us from darkness and unite us to our maker. And by the first century, long, hard years had eroded the hope of God's people. They had not heard the prophetic word of God for four centuries, and the vacuum of God's silence was filled with the authoritative word of the Roman government. The invaders had come, and God's people were under occupation. But even though the prophets had been silent for so long, righteous God-seekers remained. Two such people were named Zechariah and Elizabeth. He was a priest and she was his loving wife. And for years, they faithfully sought and served God. And though they were godly, they were stricken with barrenness. Uh, they wanted a child but couldn't have one. In their younger years, they prayed to God that he would give them offspring. But as they aged, their prayer faded. One day, Zechariah was chosen for the rare honor of delivering a prayer, an offering of incense inside the temple in Jerusalem. When Zechariah entered that temple to offer that incense with his prayer, he found an angel standing at the right hand of the altar. Zechariah trembled in fear, but the angel Gabriel spoke to him telling Zechariah that his prayer for a child had not gone unnoticed. 
The God who miraculously opened the womb of Sarah and Rachel and Rebecca in the book of Genesis would give Elizabeth a child as well. They were to name this miracle baby John. And this child, Gabriel announced, would fulfill God's promises by coming in the spirit and power of the prophet Elijah. He would prepare the way for Christ. Now, Zechariah, when he heard this from Gabriel, struggled to believe, and he questioned the angel, saying, How shall I know this? For I'm an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. For his part, Gabriel was equally astounded at Zechariah and told him that he knew God personally and was sent by God to deliver this news. It would surely come to pass. But Zechariah would be mute until John was born. Now, Zechariah went home, and just as God had declared, Elizabeth conceived. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Gabriel again appeared, this time to a young virgin in a forgotten town, hacked into the rocky hillside of northern Israel called Nazareth. Mary was betrothed or engaged to Joseph, the town carpenter, but also a descendant of the great Old Testament king, David. Gabriel, when he spoke to Mary, referred to her as the favored one of the Lord before then announcing to her that she would conceive and bear a son. He said, you shall call his name Jesus and he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. Mary inquired as to how this would occur since she was not yet a married woman. And Gabriel told her the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy the Son of God. After announcing this to Mary, Gabriel told her about her aged relative Elizabeth and how she was also with child, even though she'd been barren for so many years. He said, for nothing is impossible with God. And when Mary heard all these things, she said, I am God's servant. Let it be to me according to your word. She had listened to the call of God and submitted herself wholly to the task that he gave her. She stepped up. Though it cost her dearly in reputation and in the death of her son, Mary bowed herself to God and his plan. Now because of the news of Elizabeth's pregnancy and the shock that Mary was going through, she decided to travel to Zechariah and Elizabeth's home in the hills of Judah in the south. When she entered the house, she greeted Elizabeth, and Elizabeth's baby, pre-born John the Baptist, leaped in her womb. Elizabeth exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. When the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who believed. 
This exclamation from Elizabeth pushed Mary into song. Perhaps prepared, perhaps extemporaneous, Mary praised God by forming Old Testament scriptures and promises into lyrics of worship. She celebrated God for being a rescuing God who breaks into the darkness to help the poor, struggling, and hurting. And she said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. After staying with Elizabeth until she was full term, Mary went home to Nazareth to await the birth of Jesus. Elizabeth's son, Jesus' forerunner and personal prophet, John, was eventually born. And Zechariah's first words since his encounter with Gabriel were these words, he shall be called John. Zechariah then sang a prophetic song of his own, detailing the life of John and Jesus. And the whole country of Judea rumbled with the news of these events. Now about that time, the long and painful reign of Caesar Augustus reached a new level of dominance. In a show of power, he mandated that everyone in his empire be numbered in their city of origin. Joseph, being a descendant of David, needed to travel to David's Bethlehem to be counted as Caesar had said. By this time, Joseph had determined that he would follow through with his marriage to Mary. When he discovered her pregnancy, he had a mind to end their engagement, but the angel appeared to him in a dream and told him that the child was from the Spirit to take Mary as his wife and to name the baby boy Jesus. Jesus the angel told Joseph, would save his people from their sins. So Joseph, in humble obedience to God, took Mary with him to Bethlehem, even though she was nearly full term. Once in Bethlehem, Joseph and Mary discovered a swollen city. The census had brought people far and wide back to the tiny village. And amidst the city's frenzy, there was Mary, a young girl, ready to give birth. And like billions of women before and billions of women after, labor pains came upon Mary. Likely scared and worried, this young couple looked for a place to usher in this new life. But the Bible says there was no place for them in the inn. Perhaps Joseph and Mary, due to the suspicious nature of Mary's pregnancy, had been rejected by Joseph's relatives in Bethlehem. Perhaps the typical guest room that their family had was withheld from them, even though she was clearly with child. And perhaps Mary and Joseph were driven to the outskirts of town where birthing caves for lambs were found. It was there. They found the stone feeding trough we know of as a manger. There in that cave or stable or barn, Jesus was born. 
With Mary's pregnancy and Jesus' birth, God had become flesh and dwelt among us. In anonymity, in the quiet, without the world's notice, the Christ, the Savior, the Messiah was born. On a lonely night, in an overcrowded village, among an oppressed people, Jesus arrived. The creator God, the majestic sovereign overall, had become one of us. And hardly anyone knew on that night, except for a handful of shepherds. In the fields outside Bethlehem, the shepherds watched over their flocks. And an angelic choir appeared in the heavens and announced the gospel of peace that Jesus would bring. One angel, with God's glory shining about him, approached the shepherds. As they trembled in fear, the angel declared, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. The shepherds, overwhelmed, then headed into Bethlehem and found it just as the angel had said. A baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger of all things. As they left the new family scene, they glorified and worshiped God. But Mary, it says, treasured these things in her heart. This baby would become a boy who became the man who would die upon the cross for the sin of the world. He would substitute himself for a guilty and lost humanity. And this great birth of Jesus whispered at his ultimate purpose and mission. At his birth, Mary and Joseph were present. At his death, many Marys, including this one, stood at his cross and came to his grave, a grave that had been donated by a man named Joseph. At his birth, his family obeyed the Roman authority who demanded that they be counted in Bethlehem. And at his death, Jesus submitted to Rome's Pontius Pilate, but told Pilate that his authority had been granted to him by God. At his birth, Jesus was wrapped in swaddling cloths. At his death, he was wrapped in clothes for his burial in Jerusalem. At his birth, Jesus was born in the same place many lambs were born, lambs who would grow up to be sacrificed in neighboring Jerusalem's temple. At his death, Jesus became the ultimate sacrifice, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the earth. At his birth, Jesus was laid in a manger, a feeding trough most likely carved from stone. At his death, Jesus was laid in a tomb, carved out of the side of a rock. At his birth, the shepherds heard a glorious message hinting at what he would do and told it to Mary and Joseph. 
at his death and resurrection, a new set of shepherds, the disciples, heard the glorious message of what he had done and told it to the world. At his birth, Jewish prophets like Simeon and Anna testified to his greatness. And after his ascension, the church testified to his greatness as well. At his birth, wise men came from far off nations to honor him. But after his death, his people went to far off nations to tell the world of his honor, to proclaim his glorious message. And we still proclaim that glorious message today. The light has come. It has broken through the darkness. God has made the way for mankind to be saved. And it is through his only begotten son. Merry Christmas, church. I pray that this day and this season, you find yourself refreshed in the deep and powerful love of Christ. God bless you.